going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you today? What is going on in your world? I bet, I'm just taking guesses here, that you are feverishly trying to get permission, permission slips, <laughs> permission slips and camp forms, at least some of you, trying to get those back from your students. So I, I don't know how to help you there other than you just got to keep after it. You got to keep after them. You got to you got to stay on those parents, man. Those parents are the ones that are holding holding things up. And uh, I know I know you're going to get like, you know, one right before you leave for camp. So just be prepared for that. OK, don't don't be shocked or surprised. Just say, look, OK, thank you very much and and carry on. And if you're brand new here to the podcast, this is how we kind of start things off. Uh, you know, I kind of understand the seasons uh, that youth pastors are in right around this time. So. We kind of chat about that, and sometimes I talk about what's going on in my youth ministry. Uh, we just had our uh, our you know performance, if you want to call it that, our ministry time with our adults. Uh, our, our students uh, did skits, uh, did the worship, uh, and boy, they killed it. They just did a great job, and super, super proud of them. Uh, powerful prayer time with the adults in the room, uh, just to bind hearts together and agree together for God's church. It's not just youth prayers or adult prayers, it's the church praying together uh, for God to do what God does. I also like to share something called the motion metrics, and uh, that's where I kind of share about uh, who's been listening and where they've been listening from and give them some shout outs. Uh, some of the folks that listen today, I want to thank Angelica Percy for listening and for uh, Karan Sadeh. Or Sedi, I hope that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Cities that people are listening from is Winter Garden. I know where that is. That's Winter Garden, Florida, I believe. Wesley Chapel uh, and uh, Kaleo, Hawaii. Shout out to all my friends at the Anchor House and at Kauai Christian Fellowship. Love you guys. And top countries this week listening in USA, New Zealand. Shout out to New Zealand. Wouldn't come to New Zealand someday. So if you're in New Zealand and you say, hey, uh, we'd love to have a camp speaker or uh, maybe come do some youth worker training, hit me up. I'd love to come to uh, New Zealand or Australia or anywhere like that because, uh, well, I mean, who wouldn't want to go? All right, that's enough of me pitching to go to Australia. Uh, today, if, like I said, if you're just checking us out, if you're brand new, there is an episode before this. This is part two of a two-part discussion I had with Caesar Kalinowski about slow cooking youth pastors in microwave churches. And uh, if you've not listened to the first, you might want to go do this because this uh, conversation comes in the middle here. So it is part two. And I also want to encourage you to go visit uh, Caesar Kalinowski on the web there at his everydaydisciple.com slash benchmarks. You can get yourself a free PDF, which talks about the new measurement of success in churches. It is quite eye-opening. Uh, I want to encourage you to go get it. I want you to go check out his podcast, Everyday Disciple. Go check that out. If you just go to everydaydisciple.com, you'll find all the things Lots of great stuff there. But before we get into that conversation, I want to remind you that if your summer is not quite prepared yet, uh, or you're looking for something to kind of motivate your teens to show up during the summer, this episode is sponsored by my store, the Disciple Project store. And in that store, you can find Tribes. Tribes is a nine-week summer outreach program filled with games, score sheet, guest cards. Uh, it has uh, six 
audio coaching sessions where I walk you through the process uh, that if you're looking to make a summer jump instead of a summer slump, if you want competition, I, this is best suited, by the way, for those of you that have about a dozen to 15, um, maybe even 20 students in your group, because you're going to have to divide in a couple of teams, have some competition, build up those teams and so forth, uh, give away points, all that kind of stuff. If that is what you're interested in, you think, man, this would be great for my students, then I'm going to put a link down in the show notes below. And while you're there, go ahead and check out some of the other resources I have. I have plenty of curriculum. I have discipleship resources. I have uh, escape rooms. I have uh, taco prayers. <laughs> I got all kinds of things in there. So check it out some more. It's a great way for you to support this podcast. Okay, so let's go ahead and join the conversation uh, between me and Caesar Kalinowski as we start to break down what it means for you, the youth pastor, if you happen to be a slow cooker. And what I mean by that is you take discipleship slow. You're not the, the builder. You're not the high intensity. Got to get all the numbers in. You're very relational. And what does that then mean for you if you're working in a church that is more microwave, that does not do depth of relationship, that doesn't do life on life, that doesn't connect people and those type of things. So let's go ahead and rejoin the conversation. What is then, how do you explain that to me? What is my job description? If I am in your church that you have planted, what does this look like then? Here's the question we continue, we continue to ask this these days, and we've been asking it now for decades. Um, here's how we answer every question. Well, what would a healthy family, one who has God as their Abba daddy, Abba father, Jesus yeah. as their brother. I know that sounds weird to people. Go to Hebrews. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, right? Jesus yep. is our brother and empowered by the power that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit. What is a healthy family? It's got God as their daddy, Jesus, their brother and the Holy Spirit. What do they do together? And so let me go back before the church planning days, when I was working in youth ministry and at the mega church, before I even came on staff, we were just parents of youth. And you know how it is, you, you get recruited. That's kind of how we got on the radar. And I ended up being a pastor at that church. Forever. You're recruited forever. Forever. But luckily forever. they do let you grow up. So when our kids went from middle school to high school, so did we, da, 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 right. You know, the program, but what we did was as myself and a few other people, as we started kind of waking up to this life in the kingdom and life as a family, even though we were in the mega church, they expected the big numbers. And that's, they would ask that every, every staff meeting. So what'd you run? What'd you run last night? You know, whatever. So what we started doing was, okay, we're still going to do that, but we're going to reimagine a little bit of what we do at that event, but we're going to start taking um, our midweek thing instead of doing it back at the building, we're going to start doing it in homes where we equip the parents on different nights on how to disciple their kids back to what I was saying. And we started using story narrative. Okay. Story and dialogue. I got turned on to this whole crazy process of teaching chronological Bible work story. Okay. I met a, I was doing a lot of international work and I met a man by the name of John Whitty, Southern Baptist missionary uh, in Africa. I met him in like, we were working in Sudan and he was, he was using narrative, just completely straight up narrative and dialogue to both disciple, mature, and plant churches amongst unreached people groups. And I saw pictures of these people, Paul. I'm not joking you. It was like meet the Flintstones. They were wearing feathers around their waists, and that was it. It was super remote. And they were exploding in growth. And then he came home on a sabbatical, and he said, hey, you know, I, I we do this thing where I take friends and family. I do this in Africa, too. But um, we take friends and family through the whole story arc in about five or six hours over some meals and all that. And I said, would you do that with us? And, and he said, yeah, I would. So we flew him out 
and, and myself and a whole bunch of other staff at the church and department heads and all this, right? Really smart people. Uh, we all went through the story of God in about five hours. He did it all from memory, blew our minds, like the whole freaking, the whole narrative, man, you know? And, and, but it was a really, the narratives were short and the dialogue was deep. And when we got done at, at the end of this, this time together, I had three simultaneous emotions. I'm not joking. you. I, and, and so did like some of my best pals who kind of were in on this with me. I was like, I'm embarrassed. I've been in the church since I was a fetus and I've been to a million trillion hours of, you know, Bible classes and studies and all that. I'm pastoring now. And that's how well I know the Bible. Like what? Like I was embarrassed by how I didn't realize how it all connected. Like one real deep giant story completely. And I'm thinking everybody must know that based on my answers, <laughs> you know, so I'm a little embarrassed. Second emotion I'm feeling, I'm feeling um, kind of ticked off because I'm like, if we could learn this much in, you know, five hours time, and I've been in church my whole life. And everybody, by the way, everybody in this whole room felt this way. How come we're not teaching like using story and narrative more? And, and John helped us understand, well, that's how Jesus taught. And that's how Paul taught. Jesus never owned a copy of the Bible, you know, what I mean? <laughs> nor did Paul. Sorry, just, they didn't exist yet. And so we were a little upset. We're like ticked off. Do we get to teach this way? Why aren't we doing this? Because if we could learn this much, what if our kids did? You know, and I was in youth ministry at the time. And then the third emotion was I was elated. I was just like this. The story got so easy and clean and beautiful and big and simple all at the same time. And I remember thinking like, I would give my life to that story if I already hadn't. I think <laughs> my Jesus and our prayer a million times, right? And, and so we got challenged to start doing the story of God. It didn't even exist. It was only being used in like the 1040 window and all the dialogue was scripted for animists and all that. And so jump way ahead with some John's help. Uh, myself and another guy, Mike Novelli, who's still super involved in youth ministry. Um, maybe some of your listeners know Mike Novelli. We, we uh, were able to create this story arc and a set of dialogues that made sense in America and for youth. And we started using them. And it was night and day. The understanding of the word of God, boom, through the roof. Parents, <laughs> helpers, the students. Uh, their desire to actually go and read rest of the story. Because when you're doing short little narratives, you know, you're not taking 70 years to do it. Like, you know, I mean, you're just, you're doing their little narratives that piece the whole redemptive arc together. And, and they were coming back and telling us like, I know there was a lot more to the story. You gave me a list of where I could find that. I went and read the whole thing on the law. I went and read the whole thing about Noah. There's so much more. It's nuts. Right. And these kids had these stories memorized and it was crazy. Now jump way ahead as church planners. We have started every one of our church plants, and we always start as a missional community, making disciples in the neighborhood. We multiply those communities, and then we regather those communities. That's how the, quote, gathering starts or the congregational life starts to happen. We start every one of them with the story of God. We spend time in relationship with people, several weeks having meals, maybe months having meals, building our trust, looking for those people of peace, those few of the neighbors that are just, oh, I like you guys, and you're, I know you're Christians. It doesn't freak me out. I'm kind of curious, actually, because the way you talk about this is so different. Yeah. And eventually we say, well, how about how about next week when we all get together, like, you know, for dinner, I'm going to I'm going to share something with you. It's called the story of God, you know, and I'll just do the first narrative and their minds are blown and we talk about it. And then usually like when we say, you, you guys want to keep going, it's like a 99 percent average over the course of doing it hundreds of times now. Like, oh yeah, this is crazy. We have to, right? This is nuts. I've never heard anything like this. Yeah. 
you know, and it's, it's the story and it's the dialogue process that was the way the dialogue is developed is very unique. It's not Q and a it's discovery. Right. It's led by the Holy spirit. Imagine that, imagine that actually, you know, that we don't have to be the smartest person in the room. The spirit gets to be the hero, right? Okay. Wow. Okay. Which, which freaks out a lot of people. I've taught the story to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And there's some people that still, they take it and they go, great. We're going to do this with our youth. Boom. They do an old Testament survey so they can sound like Hank Hanegraaff and really impress the kids. You know, I'm like, Oh, you ruined it. It's not a story anymore. You know? Yeah. It's so, a, so it's that's, a... that's how we started doing it. And, and, and living more like a family and spending time on the weekends and showing up as family at the games. Now, when we started planting churches and they was, were based on missional community life, same thing. We, so how would a healthy family who has God as their daddy, Jesus as their brother and the power of the spirit, how would yeah. we live? Would it be once a week for an hour and a half, 1.8 times a month? Or will yeah. we see each other as much as we can? And when we all show up at the games for the kids and that single mom who's got, you know, her hair's on fire, poor thing, and she's just trying to make it. Who's coming to that kid's games? Nobody, because she's busy. She's working three jobs. We're all coming and we're bringing snacks. And then they're coming over for dinner afterwards. And on the weekend, well, I got I to clean my yard up and my kids are helping. Let's get a bunch of their friends over and maybe we'll do our yard. And then we'll go do their yard and blow their parents' mind, right? It was all that normal stuff. And meanwhile, we're helping people move from unbelief to belief in, in light right. of the gospel. Like, who is God? What's he really like? How's that speak to our identity? Your identity, buddy. What's true of you? And you know what? Because that's true of you, this is how you get to live, not should or yeah. supposed to, because you're already forgiven. Do you believe yeah. that? It's in the yeah. living light of that. That's what the faith sets us free, right? You know, it's it's true. It happened at the cross. Do you believe that? Yeah. Increasingly, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Well, I believe too, but sometimes I pray and ask God to help me with the unbelief parts. He said we get to. Yeah, you won't find fault. So let's yeah. pray that together sometimes, maybe, you know. Well, that's what it looks like. So yeah, no, I and and listen. There's a difference between there's a difference between and and this is why what you're talking about and those that are listening those that are watching saying say hey that sounds like a lot of work it just sounds like a lot of work look I'm it's just like parenting yeah but a meeting is easy you know you have an hour on Wednesday maybe yeah you have an hour on Sunday and then you have busy work right there's prep work you have to prep your sermon you have to you know plan this and get do the slides that. ready yeah whatever yeah, yeah all, whatever you're doing right so so in reality you're saying look youth pastors really need to step up their game in the sense of saying look if you want a relational ministry you're gonna have to say that look it's it's time to quit thinking about making better meetings and you got to find ways to make better relationships because if you're focused on the meeting you'll never have time for anything else You'll, you'll spend all your time doing things that are, that are irrelevant to the actual growth of your yeah. students uh, because you're focused on the meeting and you're hoping that God's going to do something in that one meeting that's going to change everything, right? Uh, versus saying, look, I'm going to have, I like to call it moving from meeting to movement. In other mm -hmm. words, if you want to start a movement, you're going to have to you look beyond the meeting. You're yeah. going to have to do some other things that are going to require you to be in those relationships and to be in those things with parents, with students, and and be a, be a part of their lives in a way that maybe you're not being a, a part of their lives right now. Is that a fair is that a fair assessment that the youth pastors have to look at their job description a whole lot different? They're going to follow this kind of model of, yep. of discipleship. Yep. Even if the church gives them the printed one that says focus on that one event primarily, if you're serious about 
what the scripture yeah. teaches and want to see transformation in your kids. And you take the mission, the only mission Jesus gave us to make disciples, you're going to have to move beyond that meeting only. We, we said the exact same words, Paul, when we started planting churches. I was part of Soma Communities, part of the founding leadership of that. I guess some people call it a movement. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm careful with that word. I think God does the moving. We just do the following, you know, okay. but, sure. but we, we used to tell everybody, all our church planting buddies, you know, Sunday is the easiest two hours of our whole week. Yeah. No joke. What's, what's way more intentional and takes a lot more effort is the 622, the six days and 22 hours that are left and helping people live their life as disciples of Jesus way harder than putting on a show. And like when we first started Soma in Tacoma, Washington, we were blessed with literally some world-class musicians and they all were professional and they all played out at clubs and in the bars and cafes. They weren't, you know, they weren't trying to figure out how to be the best church musician they could. They were pros. And so Sunday, I'm not joking you, of the seven or eight years that I was, you know, a big part of that and part of, you know, kind of led that even part of our gathering focus. I can almost count on one hand the amount of Sunday service planning meetings we ever had. We'd get together with whoever was going to be leading, you know, and leading the team and say, here's what I'm preaching on. Here's kind of the gospel center of that. Here's what we're trying to help people move from this to that in their belief. Um, help, you know, if you want to craft what's going on musically and in musical worship through the lens of that and then go creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So they're not just a bunch of love songs about me, you know, and us, right? Yeah. Like yeah. go there. That was the whole planning meeting. Boop. And we would show up and it felt like a family reunion like for a couple hours, we always had food. We would blow the lid off and all oh, people were like, Oh, you don't preach or you don't do like take communion. Nope. Every week preach from our heels. But it, it felt like a family reunion because Sunday wasn't primarily trying to get people saved. It was a reunion. Think Gopi feast, right. Around you know, the remember me and the blood and the, you know, and the bread yeah. and the, you know, wine. Yeah. And, and it was that. And then all week we'd go live that. We were actually making disciples and, and our kids were part of it. People said, well, what does your youth ministry look like in those days? Once you started planting communities like this, we didn't have any youth group. Oh, what? No, hold on. Hold on. It wasn't that our youth never got together just as youth, but if they right. did, it was because some people in the church who loved them, their parents, maybe some 20 somethings that just really had a heart for these kids, right. a bunch of the, you know, single parent home kids whatever they go do stuff together and it was all being saturated in good news but their primary life was all week in a missional community that was living like servants and living like missionaries and treating everyone like family you know do you know how different it is when you make a disciple that comes to faith that way they're hanging out with families who love jesus they're not perfect they let their redemption show the good news of the gospel is being sort of spoken into and applied to everything they're serving, they're helping, they fight and they forgive. When they come to follow Jesus and they start walking his ways, what do you think they think church is? A meeting, an event to event lifestyle? No, no, it's that. Yep. Our kids right now, and then I say our kids, but I'm like, I'm thinking my bio kids, but also so many people that have come through the communities we've helped plant. That's what they think the church is. You know, church is opening our homes and our life and looking for the few that God's given us a people of peace. But if we all have a few, man, we got plenty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If everybody in the church next week identified one person of peace in their life and they're there, I promise a thousand percent, everybody's got at least one person of peace in their life. If everybody identified that person said, 
I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to start having them over for meals. I'm going to start just living my life as I walk in the ways of Jesus with them. We just doubled the church in a week. Done. Everybody's wondering about the numbers, running the numbers. What are the numbers? What are you running? Who showed up? Everybody just find one. Now, I'm not advocating exclusively one-to-one discipleship. You have to make disciples in community, just like Jesus. But if we all identified that person of peace who's going to come to the community because he likes me, I'm a little weird, you know, like not everybody digs Caesar. I'm a little strong for some people, but guess what? I got some people that really hang out with me. They dig it. Yeah. And they ask questions about my faith in Jesus and how he raised our kids and my work and, you know, how we see the world. Yeah. And, and that's the, that is the, um, that is the big thing that youth pastors have to wrap their brains around. Those that are watching, those are listening have to wrap their arms around that because if we are going to see change from meeting to family or church to family uh, or service to family, then it's just going to have to take somebody. It's going to have to take, uh, you know, I would like to think hopefully the youth pastor, you know, hopefully that, that, that person who values relationships so much, you know, not that pastor, not the senior pastors don't, but the, it's in different elements there, but coming to some agreement of what family should look like, what family should look like for us. What, what is, and I think that's the question, you know, what does family look like for us? If we're building a family, if we're building a healthy family, then what does that look like? Does that involve this? And then what needs to be cut out or what do we need to have less of? And how do we share the wealth with other adults being parents, adults, that it's not just all about the one hero who's going to shoulder and put this thing on its back on their back impossible carry it across the line of glory and and do this there's a lot of pressure both both for the pastor any pastor any senior pastor or the youth pastor that somehow it's everything you know lives or dies whether or not that person is everything to all people and and can do all the things and so in what you're saying Caesar I think is just is just a clear reminder to those that are watching and those that are listening saying, Hey, we need to start. If we're going to see it change, it's not going to happen because we have better meetings. Cause we tweak the meeting. That's right. It's not about tweaking the meeting. It's about, I was part of big enough churches that you couldn't tweak it more. You couldn't like we had unlimited budget pretty much. You could do anything you want. We had all the best of everything. Plenty right. of staff, plenty of everything. It's right. not about that. If, if one more good sermon is what everybody needs for the whole world to get saved, we'd have yeah. been there long ago. There's this thing, get ready for it. It's crazy. Maybe you heard of it. It's called the internet. <laughs> There's a million trillion great sermons out there. That's right. And videos and all that. That's now, right. Not to hijack anything, but this is what we talk about in Everyday Disciple, the podcast, every week. Like every topic, it, I mean, it's six, six years uh, in February. Every Monday, That's right? Fantastic. There's a lot well, of episodes. Say, yeah. There's a lot of episodes, Paul. Every topic, including youth ministry and how do you have a family dinner night and how do you talk to people who don't like you and what happens after you blow it with people, but you still want to share your faith. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of episodes about how does the gospel apply to all this and how could we even live that, speak that without yeah. being weirdos? Yeah. That's why it's called Everyday Disciple. And then how would that start to hit the ground at our table uh, in my neighborhood? as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as just parents who are part of a church that doesn't want to make disciples, you know, all that stuff we talk about on the Everyday Disciple podcast, because I wasn't raised with any of this. And I'll tell you, really, it's, it's, a, it's a journey of discovery. 
and, my, and, and we, we're sharing what we're learning. And that's the same stuff we coach to. My wife and I, are, we coach as couples. And so young families and leaders who say, oh, I want to start living this way first. I think fair is fair. Let's be authentic. How do we start to live this with a handful of people and then let that become a model? And that's why we do our, the coaching we offer because like there was no one to show us that. Like I yeah. said, we had two meetings, a premarital for my youth pastor. We lied like crazy, fought in front of him. He still married us and then got divorced within a month or two. It was, you know, it was like, now what? Now that's the only guy that I even have trusted. I don't have nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. And listen, I, and I can say and, and can uh, attest that when I listen to your podcast and I'm a subscriber, that when I listen to the podcast and I, and I, and I it just, just the first 10 minutes of it was refreshing. Because we're, there's a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of how-tos and a lot of things. But if you're looking for something refreshing, a different, a different mindset, a different vibe, if you're looking for that, then, then the Everyday Disciple podcast is that. That's, that's the refreshing part of it is that if you, for me at least, when I'm listening to it and I'm going, Man, I wish somebody had taught me that. I wish, I wish, <laughs> I, I wish somebody had taught me that. I wish, you know, because a lot of it is self-discovery. You know, those of us that have been around long enough, you know, uh, only know some things and, and nobody ever taught us anything else. You just knew what you knew. And those that are listening only know what they know. That, that's right. what they learned in college. It's what their church taught them. It's what, whatever. And they go, wow, there's, there's another way to do this. There's, there's literally another way to do you this. get to? <laughs> yeah, you get to. Right. And you can actually write a brand new job description for yourself by listening to the podcast and say, wow, we're going to do this thing very much differently. And uh, and see, I can't I can't thank you enough for just coming on and sharing your heart and sharing uh, these thoughts, because um, there's so many youth workers out there, youth pastors who need this, who need that refreshing that there is another way. There's a way beyond the meeting. There's a way beyond the 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 stuff that's there and it starts with them starts with that is a little bit more work to do but you get to do it you don't have to do it it's something you get to do and uh and so after the podcast what else can they if they want to ask more questions or read more material or any of those things where can they catch up with you so let me give them a free resource right now that'll kind of help them bend their mind and maybe start to articulate some of these um if the listeners go to everydaydisciple.com Mm-hmm. that's the website. There's so many resources and you'll find the podcast there, but specifically if they go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash benchmarks, they will receive uh, an email bloop, that'll give them like, what are, what are 10 new ways of measuring healthy ministry and success in the church? If we're not just focused on what I call the three B's, you know, uh, how many butts are in seats, uh, budget, and then the building size, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And then after that, I will send you like reminders for the podcast, what the episode's about, a bunch of free resources and offer for some training. And if you just don't want it, just unsubscribe. I'm not trying to hack anybody, (laughs) you know, but we have a lot of free stuff that'll help to um, help change your mindset a little bit, kind of unpeel the onion, repeal the onion. Um, How do I start to talk about this with others? Maybe, you know, there's a, there's a free book you can get called Be the Church and it's 10 Conversations that you get to have with people to sort of move towards more of a lifestyle of discipleship and mission. It's free. They can get that. They'll find that right on the homepage. So all this stuff, there's a lot of, lot of materials there at everydaydisciple.com. And I'd love to, I'd love to meet folks. 
and I would love them to meet you too. But <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I hope that lots and lots of people reach out to you. And I hope that, um, uh, I hope that, that the mindset within the church and especially in youth ministry begins to change from that meeting to family, to then producing more disciples than the, than we've ever seen, because that's, yeah. what's going to change the world. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing all that today. Thanks, Paul. It's been a blast. Powerful conversation there with Caesar Kalinowski. I hope that you took notes. I hope that the Holy Spirit maybe shared with you uh, something within your own heart that says, how can we do family better? How can we make disciples and work with parents uh, to help facilitate that discipleship right there in their homes, right in their own neighborhoods? And then how that that uh, that overflows into the youth ministry and into the church. And so I hope that it really blessed you. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you enjoyed the conversation, then be sure to go by Caesar's website, everydaydisciple.com slash benchmarks and download that little PDF that talks about the new measurement of success in the church. I think that it'll be of great value to you. It has a little uh, quiz in there, something you can compare. It's got 10 different values to be able to look at. And I believe it will be of great value to you and your youth ministry. And if you have some time, if you have not gone over and left a review yet for the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, would you do that? Would you just take time, leave five stars and a review? Would love for this podcast to be found even more places. And the only way that happens is if you leave a review or if you share this podcast with somebody, and I hope that you'll do both. But that is it for today's episode, everybody. Hope that you all enjoyed it. And uh, don't forget, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, well, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. So don't beat yourself up and know that God is with you on the journey. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.